This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. This is Amanda Celine Miller, the voice of Boruto and Sailor Jupiter, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Previously on Talk Time Live Exclusive. What was your reaction when you first saw Gohan in the new form? Oh, dude. So excited. <laughs> so excited. Oh, my gosh. Because you we saw this. You witnessed this in the booth, am I right? Like, that's your first interaction mm-hmm. to it? Yeah, yeah. I went to Crunchyroll Studios in Dallas to record uh, a few months ago. And, uh, you know, again, not the same because you're watching on a little monitor and everything. Right. But, Still. And, yeah. Yeah. It's like, Whoa. Whoa, and then Chris Sabbath's like, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter where y'all from. And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news, special guests, and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes, all can learn something new. Me too. I heard words with no faith is empty. I stayed the so my haters tempt me Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy It ain't too trendy, it's ACMG Anime, comics, movies and games Come on and let's get it Talk time Anime, comics, movies and games Come on and let's get it Talk time Anime, comics, movies and games Come on and let's get it Talk time Anime, comics, movies and games Come on and let's get it Talk time gentlemen welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live the prime show i am your host xavier josiah we are back with some more news and our review of full metal alchemist the revenge of scar netflix's latest anime adaption uh a a movie i didn't think they were going to continue i didn't know it's been like the last full metal alchemist movie was in 2017 and didn't know what they were trying to do with that. It looks like they were rushing so much of that movie and they just crammed everything at once. And lo and behold, they got two movies coming and very soon. This one just came out and the second one is scheduled to come out at the end of September. So this is going to be very interesting. Uh, and we'll talk about what I thought about this because it's kind of a contrast to what I thought about the first movie when I reviewed that. So we'll talk about that in our talk topic of the week, but also we got a lot of news going on that we're going to talk about in our next segment. Before I do that, you heard the clip from the one and only Cal A. Bear off of their great week uh, of the box office uh, for 
Dragon Ball Super Superhero, and we got a chance to talk about that. Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, go out of your way to check it out. Both the audio and the video version is available now. You can check it out on TalkTimeLive.com. It was a great, great, great interview. Uh, one of my favorites. It's like the fifth time he's been on the show, but this is absolutely one of my favorites because I think this one is more significant for both of us because we've been talking for years. And I said, I said in the interview, uh, I think we've known each other for six years. I actually probably a little bit longer than that, to be honest. This, this, uh, this has been around this. So uh, this show has been around for quite some time. I think like eight years, maybe it's going on 10 It's getting close to the 10. And, um, we've known each other for quite some time. We've met in person, uh, way back at a local con, um, uh, that I, that I was working on and I interviewed him then for the first time I got the chance to meet his wife and we've just connected and stayed to stay connected since then. I think we felt that we had a quite a bit in common, even through our first interview. And we kind of, uh, you know, stuck with each other since, and he's just been an awesome, awesome, awesome guy. He always looks out for me. You know, if I ask something, he, you know, to come on the show, he comes If I ask him for, you know, certain things. He, he comes in, he shoots me uh, texts every once in a while, you know, looking out for me and, and you know, showing me some of the new things that he's um, working with. So just he's just an awesome dude. I, I he's pretty genuinely nice guy. Um, you know, this is one of those cases like you do meet your heroes and some of them are really good. And then some of the people that you respect also may not be your heroes, just maybe some people you admire. And they end up winding up being as what you expect. And he's just, I lucked out that he is one of them. Uh, I honestly haven't met one person that I've had on the show that didn't come off as genuinely nice or whatever like that. Even if they had some form of controversy going on afterwards, how they treated me was just, you know, upper echelon. It was, it was really great. And I've always appreciated everybody who's come on the show because you know, since this show has started, which I believe it was like uh, 2016, 17 or something like that, it's been nonstop. Uh, I mean, not, no, actually, no, 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 no. This show started in 2015. I'm sorry. Like I said, it's been a quite a while. This business show has been on for a while. So I think about 2015 that we started this show when I had a bunch of people on with me. And we've had a bunch of people on this show since then. And, you know, who became guest on the show. If you go into talktimelive.com, I have a whole page dedicated to all of the people who has graced Talk Time Live. And it's just unbelievable. I, and I'm also humble. So like the, just the idea that he's been on for the fifth time, it's just been, it, it, it says a lot. And not only that, but we get to talk about how Gohan and him to that measure gets their flowers finally after all this time in the series of uh, Dragon Ball and we get to see Gohan in this new form and in this beast form. And it's just awesome. I love it. I absolutely loved it. And I love the interview. So go out of your way, check it out. It's uh, available on talktimelive.com, the audio and video version or wherever you listen to podcasts, you can check it out there as well. Just a great interview that we had together there. But also give a big congrats once again. And I love doing this because this is why I asked him to be a part of this show every week by, you know, serenading you guys at the beginning of the show. Oh man, Mega Ran, AKA Raheem Jarbo, once again, making waves out there, billboard chart bomb, uh, like bombshell right there. Um, once again, 
will be appearing in another huge project. We last talked, uh, I guess, saw him or found out that he was doing a song in uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, Shredder's Revenge, which is an awesome track. Love it. If you go get the soundtrack, you can hear it on air as well. Um, this time, though, I love it. I really love this. He is going to his one of his uh, older songs, I believe, Tractor Beam will be heard in Clerks 3. Yes, Kevin Smith's Clerks 3. This is fantastic. Uh, he was at the premiere just recently. Uh, show, you know, uh, you know, rubbing uh, elbows with all of the cast from there. Um, it was just awesome. You see him with uh, uh, Danny Trejo as well, which I, I guess I don't know if he's in the movie or he's just there uh, in support of the movie. But he's in there. He's talking with him. Um, uh, God, the entire cast, Kevin Smith. Brian O'Halloran, um, you know, Jason Mews, uh, every like he's in there with everybody in there. So it is pretty cool to, and to acknowledge that he's in there again. And, uh, you know, definitely another credit to uh, Felix Dongato, who's been on this show before, too. And he's like pretty much his uh, Megan Rand's partner in crime for a lot of albums. But he was he had a lot to do with the production of that song as well. So shout out to both of them because they're both making waves, making charts. You know what's crazy about that is that these guys are well known. They're cult. They're cult popular and famous. They're not like mainstream famous, but like they these guys make more hits than a lot of the mainstream guys out there. They're making it. it they are not acknowledged enough for the quality of work that they do, and I think. Megaran and Felix are way better than a lot of these cats out there right now. And they're making they're, they're making hits in the shadows of all of this and making money off the shadows of all of that, where a lot of these guys are just making they just making a break and dies like 15, sec, 15 uh, seconds of fame off of one hit like Megaran and Felix have been dropping it for a long time and they continue to do so and they continue to rise and I'm just why I'm so proud and happy to get to know um, Mega or Rahim, if you will, to, and to be able to have a footnote in their history and to, you know, being a part of my story as well. And to be able to have him do a song for this show, I just think it's fantastic. Uh, I'm honored to be able to know him. He's a really genuine dude. Go out and get his book if you guys haven't seen the interview. But again, on talktimelive.com. Our interview, whereas we talk about his uh, memoir, is an and well-deserved <laughs> memoir. Great story for anybody who is trying to find out how to get through life and make it through life and, you know, the trials and tribulations of, you know, following your dreams and everything. You know, it's all in there. And some Philly love as well. A lot of Philly love in that book because he's from Philly to Phoenix. So it's like. You know, you got to give Philly love in there. So congratulations to him, Raheem, as always. And, um, you know, keep it going. He would definitely will. But this is why I enjoy my theme song, my Jack of Spades theme song, if you will, from there. So that's awesome. Folks, let's not waste any more time. We got a lot of news to talk about. Let's find out what's new in the world of ACMG. And now it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG.
we are going to follow up with some news that we had on our Select Start video game podcast this week regarding AEW games and their demo for AEW Fight Forever. We got a chance to see a 10 minute walkthrough of what to expect in this game. And for those who were looking for the Aki engine experience, it looks like we got it in every minute detail. Now, this has not only impressed people like myself, this impressed a lot of people who were just watching the demo on Twitch, the full match demo on Twitch. And it also impressed a lot of the people attending the event in Germany who got a chance to play the actual game, uh, a, a demo of the game at least, at, um, at the event. So what they did, what, what I believe what has happened is that, you know, the video footage that we saw was some early footage, but they have, from what the guy from THQ and Nordic said, they have, you know, evolved the visual cosmetic look and feel and balance of the game since that time. So what the people at the event were playing was a more updated version of what we saw from the game footage. So, which was great because apparently a lot of people liked it and they liked it so much that AEW Fight Forever won the Gamescom award for best sports game. The highly anticipated wrestling game managed to impress Gamescom while still in early development. That speaks volumes and I think 2K games need to be afraid of this. Those who had a pleasure to attend the event in Germany was awarded with the gameplay demo in uh, a fun exhibition event courtesy of AEW wrestlers, Cole Cabana, uh, the fallen angel, Christopher Daniels, Peter Avalon and Evil Uno. And the showcase was a complete success as the live wrestling exhibition matches were packed full of fans in Germany wanting to see this, you know, these AEW stars, which is a rarity for anyone in that region to see because AEW has yet to travel around the world. Uh, and mostly it, most of it had us a lot to do with the pandemic. You know, the pandemic stopped them cold in 2020, just when they were just starting in 2019. And they had to resort to just come finding themselves and conforming to a smaller venue or just one venue just for safety's sake. But despite the trials and tribulations and limitations, they were still able to come up and make fantastic shows week by week. So when they came back and now they're packed with audiences again, people are more clamoring for this now. And they see everything that's happening in the United States and all the matches that we had. I had, I've been, I've been there three times. I don't know if I'm going to the new, to the fourth one in September. I, I don't know. Um, if it, if it's a, it's supposed to be a big deal and I got a feeling I'm gonna miss out on this and I'm going to regret it. But I, um, cause I'm already going to, I'm already going to see Chris Rock that I think around that time as well. Then, um, New York comic-con is coming. So. I think it was a little bit more, a little bit later. I probably would have done it, but I don't know. It's, watch, I'm gonna miss something big on this. But nonetheless, because every everyone that I've been to has been great. But I digress. Germany, Canada, all of these other countries have not had a chance to get the full live experience that we've been privy to. Canada is about to get it soon. And shout out to all the people who are listening from Canada right now. Um, I can't wait to see. AEW in Canada because Canada is such a long time honored and treasured country that that really embraces the wrestling culture so much that like it, this is going to be awesome. They're going to load that show up so bad. So, you know, even 
though the main stars, like the heavyweight stars, the top tier stars, weren't available for the Gamescom event, it speaks volumes that the talent is so good at AEW that even the likes of Cole Cabana and Christopher Daniels and Peter Avalon and Eva Uno is so great enough that people are still excited because they know how great these guys are. And it didn't matter that you didn't get the Moxleys, the Omegas, the CM Punks, the, you know, the Brian, uh, Brian Danielsons, the, you know, the, uh, Claudio Castagnoli's and everything you, they, these guys are in, in some form of fashions. These guys can be considered main talents in their own right. You know, I guess even Peter Avalon to some extent too, but for people to pack that arena, like I've been to conventions where they had wrestling before none of them were ever as packed as what i saw in germany that was that speaks volumes of the popularity that aew was able to acquire throughout time and the idea that this game has already received an award you know even before its development is going like that 2k games need to be afraid now i said this before and what will really, really make this a bigger deal is if they can accomplish a solid and fluid gameplay experience on the Nintendo Switch, because that is something that 2K games have failed at. And I mean, failed miserably at. If they can accomplish this, they are gonna set the new standard for wrestling games, period. Uh, on all platforms. It's easy to do so on a platform like the PlayStation 5 and 4, Xbox Series XS and 1, even PC but or Steam. But to get it on the Nintendo Switch because of the schematics of the Nintendo Switch, it's... I mean, we've gotten 2D wrestling games in easily and we got a few of, you know, wrestling games, but it can be done. It just needs to be done right. Like I'll even give, you know, Empire Wrestling some credit because they were able to, even though the game is not as fluid as you would want it to be, they still managed to make it work to what they did it. Like it's, it's a game that doesn't require to, it doesn't have too much filling in there and, and too much structure in there, but they were able to, it, it, I mean, in comparison to other wrestling games, Empire Wrestling looks like a major, major beta test or made not even a beta test. It looks like it's just still in in development mode in comparison to a lot of the game. Like I hate to say it, but 2K8, 2, uh, 2K18 on a Switch, despite its blemishes and its bugs and everything, it's actually still a more solid engine than Empire Wrestling, you know, and it actually does kind of look better than Empire Wrestling to that extent. But man, I, I tell you this, if they can make this happen, if they can really accomplish making this game work for the Nintendo Switch, that is gonna set a huge precedent um, to what wrestling games can be on the Nintendo Switch. 3D wrestling games, I should say, because um, Retromania Wrestling is probably the best game the best solid fluid gameplay experience you can have right now in this in in in, in um 
and that's not even just my opinion that is just legit like their their core gameplay um is better it looks better but it is made to people don't understand like it's made the game there are some people who just don't understand the purpose of this game retro mania wrestling is not to be is not meant to be a state-of-the-art wrestling game it is meant to be exactly what the name of the game is retro they emphasize on the term retro it is a retro game it is meant to mimic that of a retro game it is a period piece like if you watch a movie and a base big movie on a certain period in time if it's supposed to be the 70s it needs to mimic the 70s to a t if it mimics you know um medieval times like house of dragons is right now and game of thrones was it needs to mimic that to a t like it needs to mimic that experience retro mania wrestling is a game that was based around the 80s format of gameplay like i if you play saturday saturday night's main event uh it's not saturday night's main event saturday night slam masters i should say or and then you play like three count bout on for the uh for the s for s and k or if you play even like pro wrestling on the nes like it mimics all that but it it perfects on it as well so people if you ever complain like this game is not steady the art it doesn't have this that 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 this no it's not meant to have it. it is meant to like if you're trying to if you have an award for accuracy based on time and error I think Retro Mania Wrestling will win that against other wrestling games because it captured the actual essence of that. It's not supposed to have, you know, multiple frames per second. It's not that, you know, have a pixel rate that is really like it's not supposed, supposed to have a Capcom CP, um, CPS 3 frame rate. It's supposed to be a old school wrestling game that you would see in arcades back in the day, the main boards and all this stuff. And it does exactly that. What we need right now, we now that we have that, what we absolutely need right now is a solid, fluid 3D wrestling game that will play exactly the way that we want to play. And with this being like the Aki engine, this should work. This this really should work. Um, I don't see how it like I, I, I really don't see how this shouldn't work, but 2k games have pretty much showed us that there's ways that this thing couldn't work i don't know if it's because 2k games rushed the idea and i've even said this like i've argued that this game felt like a beta test you know and they claimed that it wasn't a beta test and i'm like yeah i knew get that that's what you're told to say but that's really this thing is this this is a buggy mess and the thing that i hate about 2k games is that they were not up front with their fans they were not up front with the, everybody with the media everybody about the process of this game and why it came off like that they swept it under the rug they did everything that wwe normally would do when something goes wrong and they don't acknowledge it and they don't apologize for it they just keep moving which is a corporate a, a normal corporate practice that a lot of corporations do and somewhat still do i need a company this is why i I give praise to Mike Herman of Retro uh, Saw, uh, Retro Soft uh, Studios because when he did Retromania Wrestling, if they did something great, great, they'll talk about it. If they did something wrong, if there was a delay, if something was going up, he's going to talk about it. 
and he did it it's it's a, it's it was a brave thing to do because you know in terms of fans you damn if you do and you damn if you don't regardless but people need to commend that guy because he did in his own way in his own merit go out there and tell the truth he didn't he didn't bs the fans and AEW to their extent have not done that either they didn't want to promote or show anything and they, I, I, I truly believe that they looked at what Mike Herman was doing. They looked at what everybody was doing. If they were doing a wrestling game, they were going to promote it. They were going to, they were um, not promote it. They were going to keep an eye on it, I should say. And they absolutely, I'm pretty sure they they checked out um, Retromania Wrestling. I know Kenny probably did because he's a huge gamer too. So I'm sure he kept his eye on them. He kept his eye, he kept his, he's keeping his eye on the wrestling code and you know he kept his eye on 2k games of course all of them and you know the wrestling code for those who don't know is another 3d wrestling game that is scheduled to come out i believe on pc and the uh playstation 5 and i think xbox it's still under works it's gonna include a bunch of indie wrestlers and you know some famous wrestlers that we know like kurt angle and a few others are going to be in that um game um game too so um that's in the works too but they're keeping an eye on all that so i know they were watching you know mike herman do his video vlogs about what was going on and then probably kenny and then we're like okay we're not going to say a word until we have some concrete footage and stuff that when things are developed because this was when they started talking about the game coming and they started doing the game and developing the game this is around the time this is absolutely around the time when uh cd project red came out with uh cyberpunk uh 2077 uh, and the disaster that was and how big of a you know media blast that was of disaster based on this disaster this is at the time when marvel came out with uh the avengers and during that time the avengers was not nearly as good as it is now there's a heavy amount of improvements from that game but when it first came out it, it it looked rushed there were you know texture you know uh blemishes in there graphic you know inconsistencies in there and stuff like that and um frame rates bugs glitches crashes all that was experienced from there kenny looked at all that and was like and and and, and i'm sure AEW games in general looked at all that and was like we don't want to make the same mistakes that these guys are making we want to make sure that when we because he they know how important it is for it to have a wrestling game and when you say that you're getting the aki engine back into this game in every minute detail which was what we saw in that in that demo you best damn believe you better get it right the first time this is their first impression and they need to get it done right so it's it speaks volumes that they got an award for this in in their early development i uh, it, it even it makes people more anticipated for it now so this is awesome. I am I'm so happy about this. I'm excited about this. I just want this game to be good on the Nintendo Switch because nine chances out of ten, I'll play it on and get it for the um for the PS5. But damn it, son, I'm I'm gonna be more interested in wanting to get play this on a Nintendo Switch. Like most of my games are played on a Nintendo Switch because I like to watch TV and multitask what I'm doing this stuff too. So we'll see. What we won't see anymore. Is resident evil resident evil the series on netflix officially canceled i don't think anybody's surprised at this at all um 
I I don't think I've talked about this show. Uh, mostly or even tried to review it. I just, it was one of those things I just secretly just watched per se. I don't even know if I say secretly because I told people in the ACMG Facebook group that I was going to watch this, try it out, you know, after the fact that everybody else tried it out just to see if I could give it a non-fan perspective from it. And even from a non-fan perspective, I couldn't really get into it. I know that they changed a lot. I know enough about the, uh, enough about Resident Evil and the lore enough to know which should be and which should not be. I have played a uh, couple, you know, Resident Evil games. I've beaten uh, six, which is the only Resident Evil game I've um, completed. But, but I and I know well enough about the characters in there. The characters are iconic. They're they're at that level where, you know, even if you're not really a fan of the series, you know, the characters Leon, uh, Claire, and you know uh, Chris, and you know, and uh, Wels uh, Welsker and all the you know about these characters because they kind of trans you know transcend through different aspects and they've been appearing on different you know games as well crossing over to other games so they're kind of a household name at this point but this uh this series eh, i can see why i i could definitely see, i could this series i understand why they why they definitely canceled cowboy bebop still upsets me to this day because i felt like they did a really an above average um job putting that together resident evil they try to you know change it way too much this is one of those situations like you have a core fan base of people i'm not saying make it exactly and, and this is something that we're going to talk about in our talk topic with full metal this is not something that i believe that it should be it doesn't have to be done accurately but it needs to be the it used to be so close to the source that even if they changed a little bit of it it's not that bad that's what i think marvel studios get so right all the time is that yeah they go a different direction but the core backstories the core something it's usually close very close to it the personality the characteristics are so close to the source that you don't mind that they're changing certain things around on certain aspects like not everything in marvel is exactly from you know the source it is their own universe but they use a lot of the backstories and everything and you know create you know they keep the core backstories there but then after that they tend to go a different direction once the backstories is has been set this was not one of those things they didn't learn that lesson they, this is kind of the same thing that dc kind of did and they tried to do their own thing which is something that is done in the 90s in a bad way people didn't don't understand the lore they don't respect the fan base and stuff like this happens you know it just doesn't work you, i thought that in this day and age is 2022 that we would stop doing things the 90s way in the 90s for those who were just you know or were babies in the 90s and didn't go through what a lot of us go through before the marvel cinematic universe ever existed or blade started movies based on video verse they have video games too because super mario brothers and stuff based on video games based on um comic books were not respected well respect or even anime the guyver the guyver was also turned into a live action during the 90s these ips were not well respected they were given like all right let's do a movie about this let's do this this is cool let's make our own version of this no let's make this and put this on tv and find out why fans liked it they didn't respect the fan base 
they didn't respect the lore they didn't respect the the uh story and they just said like we'll just do our own thing the guyver let's do our own thing let's make the zoonoids these little campy little costumes let's make jj jimmy walker a zoonoid and let's make a comedy out of it that's not what the guyver was the guyver was a dope superhero you know uh sci-fi you know show with these creatures called zoonoids who are just deadly and and, and, and scary as hell you know what i'm saying and then you had the guyver who which i, I give him credit the one thing that they did get right was that suit that suit was awesome uh guyver 2 was a little bit better but still it, it just wasn't enough they didn't take it seriously enough uh you had the original captain uh, captain america who just wasn't you know who the first few minutes of captain america was accurate the rest of the movie sucked you had the punisher Dolph Lundgren didn't live up because they he, he, he didn't have the skull the whole time he just wore he looked like the part he just was missing the skull and they just say like it's just a guy who's just shooting up other guys that's all this is wrong you messed up on that there were so many at super mario brothers i don't even want to talk about that but we got to acknowledge it there were so many ips out there that wasn't respected and well respected now because the directors the producers they were they were not fans like these guys are now all the directors of now of all these platforms are now fans of this franchise so they're not trying to change it because they know if they were sitting as fans they were upset as well i'll give you another example street fighter street fighter with, with john claude van damme we now take it as a comedy bit because it is laughable but they were serious about like we can make money off of this if we just say a street fighter we'll slap the street fighter label on there we'll get john claude van damme on there because he's john he's john claude van damme and they'll like it no we actually didn't but we actually found it funny and hilarious you know what i'm saying so but and, and, and the only thing that was great about that movie was raul julia in his last role playing in bison in the tuesday line which is one of the greatest lines ever and the one thing that made that movie so awesome the day i killed what do you say the day you killed your parents <laughs> you know it was the worst day of your life but for me it was just tuesday that is the most gangster line in the history of hollywood in my opinion <laughs> but nonetheless now we have directors writers everybody who are fans of these and they want to see what they loved about the comics kevin feige wants to produce what was in the comics and bring it to life and not it's not about making money it's about making art and accuracy and that's what is now being done but when you see resident evil you see that there's still people who don't get it just plainly don't get it and that's unfortunate because now this show is canceled and it, it, this is one of those cases that it had nothing to do with the actors or portrayals i think it's just a, the writing and the direction and the storyline the actors were always were solid. The, the the everything about it was just not what everybody was used to. It was not. It didn't give you the Resident Evil feel. Say had some elements of it, and it was like, okay, just throw this in there, and we'll make it. It's an insult. It, it, it's an insult to the fans. So, I get why that was canceled right there. So it is unfortunate, but you know, it is what it is. And. Let's move on from being canceled to being delayed here. Shazam, Fury of the Gods, 
and Aquaman in the Lost Kingdoms are delayed until 2023. Now, because Shazam is delayed, it actually pushed back Aquaman as well. Shazam was set to uh, premiere on Christmas 2022 this year. Aquaman sequel was scheduled to arrive March 17, 2023. I believe that's now getting pushed because of Shazam. Uh, Black Adam and The Flash has yet to be moved from the scheduled dates. And as apparently, as reports are saying, Ezra Miller recently met with WBD executives to apologize for his recent actions that has, I, I, I can't say here or there, but my belief is that I'm sure his antics played a major factor. I believe it, play, it played a major factor in their decision to just squash a lot of what's going on right now in the in terms of DC films. I can't speak for everything else, but man, it, it's, it's just one one. What I think it, I think it was it was a factor, but it was also probably the nail in the coffin for a lot of this because one, it didn't help that DC films never caught you know caught up with marvel studios in the last 10 years that they've been around they never caught up with that and they had like one or two hit or miss but the rest of them was just a lot of misses their batting average was so low okay in this in this deal so it's like it, it really didn't click hard and then ezra miller's situation helped and i'm sure that didn't help anything either so that really put a damper on things and when one person does something and it does affect other people, which is why when you team up with people, when you have a group of people together, you got to make sure everybody's intact. Everybody's on the same page. If one person messes something up, it ruins the entire brand or franchise of something. It is, we've seen it happen many a times. I can't understand. This is why I, you know, me personally, I've learned from these situations. If something is not working, or becoming an anchor in your process, you gotta get rid of that anchor. It, it's, you know, you can, you can give them a chance every once in a while, but if you start seeing consistencies in it, you gotta let it go because it's not helping the growth of the process. Trust me, I know this from experience. So I'm sure that played a major factor in this. And, and I joked around and say this, but literally the, 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 um, the, the craziness of this is that Ezra Miller's playing a flash and his antics probably has created a, you know, a, a flash paradox really screwed up the entire DC film universe from really excelling and doing what it's supposed to do. So I don't know, man, we'll see how this works and see how this goes, but this is just, it's just not a good thing. This is affecting a lot of things. So moving on, let's talk about my thoughts on She-Hawk, and this, uh, I believe, will be the last thing that I talk about before we move on to the talk topic of the week. So let's talk about She-Hawk episode two. Absolutely love this episode for a lot of reasons. They This, to me, was even better than the first episode. I mean, the first episode really sold it for me. But this one right here really killed it. So after Jennifer hawked up in, uh, to defeat Titania and save the, uh, the jury during her court case, she was let go by her firm in fear of being a liability and being too much in the limelight for the wrong reasons. Jennifer tried to apply to multiple different firms after that, but it was a no-go because every firm felt it was the same thing. They were very conservative. They didn't want to, you know, you know, to risk it. And they didn't see things from it. 
But one of the coolest things about this is that she had to go to her parents' house after being fired. And, uh, you know, she didn't want to go because it's embarrassing. And, you know, the family tried not to acknowledge it, except for the brother, the idiot brother who works, who's now a manager of Best Buy, apparently. And the coolest thing about this scene was who was casted to be her father. Her father is of all people, Mark Lynn Baker, AKA cousin Larry Appleton from perfect strangers, who is now her father, Morris, uh, Morris Walters. I was blown away. They showed an early clip of this, uh, before the episode came by and I saw this clip. I, I really was like, should I watch this clip? And I watched it and I immediately heard that voice. And then I looked at the face because it's been years since Perfect Strangers. And for those who don't know who per what Perfect Strangers is, Perfect Strangers is an awesome comedy series that came out on ABC. You know, um, the Friday night lineup that they had, the infamous Friday night lineup. Now, which I think a lot of people don't realize is that Perfect Strangers was about a foreigner coming to live with Larry Appleton, who's the father of uh, Jennifer Walters in the show. Um, who is Balky. A lot of people may not remember this or realize this, but Perfect Strangers is the predecessor of Family Matters with Urkel, with Jalil White and Urkel and all those guys. Perfect, um, what is it? Um, Family Matters is the spinoff to Perfect Strangers because the mom on that show was the security guard for the building that they, uh, that they lived at, which everybody loved her on that show. And they decided like, let's make a spinoff on her. And then it turned out that, you know, they got the character Urkel in there by Jaleel White. And then everybody came, you know, started focusing on Jaleel White and all this stuff. But before all that, if not for, you know, perfect strangers, there will be no family matters. So they, uh, they got him back. I haven't seen this guy in forever, you know, cousin larry man of course not don't be ridiculous like when i saw him i almost did the dance of joy and only perfect stranger fans would know what i'm talking about when i say that too so he was awesome he was absolutely awesome in here i want to see more of him in this show that was cool but she went back home to visit them and uh you know they had dinner and all the stuff and all these questions that they came up she's not even a superhero official superhero but they wanted to ask her a whole bunch of things about hawkeye and you know the avengers and you know her, her mom tried to you know set her up with some dude because he wanted to be a superhero <laughs> i love the banter that went on here because it's such a normal it's it's real world it's real life banter that you would have if you're famous or something like that and people assume your family is going to assume that the all these things happen or whatever and she's stressed out about this she did not want to do this because she knew this was going to happen and you know morris her father you know asked her to come into the garage because she wanted her you know to see if, how she was really feeling so he knew even though he was asking her all these stupid questions about like hawkeye he knew he wanted to make sure that she was okay and i thought that was heartwarming right there so i love that the family's in this because i don't remember recalling seeing any of the family in the comics but then i never re re uh, read she hawk like that either too so maybe i don't know if this is an added fact you know um human element they wanted to add to this or not but it it works it definitely works um like just like it did with um miss marvel just like exactly like it did with miss marvel i you know the two things that i love so far that we knows some characteristics that we're learning about um jennifer and this is that one 
she likes to eat Cheetos with chopsticks, which I think is a brilliant thing. And I almost want to, you know, try that my damn self. Um, cause I, I often love using chopsticks myself. <laughs> I, I actually used a chopsticks to eat a hamburger once. Like I, that's how I wanted to show how awesome my skills was, but that's one. And then two, like her family. So we're getting, getting to know her a lot more with that. So this is, uh, she got this. She was still out of a job, but then she was approached by her uh, adversary that was at the court case that Titania invaded, Holden Holloway, who, by the way, was the reason why she got fired because he, you know, uh, he he stopped the case from continuing because he felt that the jury was going to was going to be biased because she saved her life. So they kind of, you know, made it a mistrial at this point because of him. And honestly, he's right. You can't, you're going to be biased against, you know, She-Hawk because, you know, if I save She-Hawk's life, I'm going to be heavily influenced by that. So I, it made a lot of sense that that happened and Holloway, you know, Holden Holloway had every right to make it a mistrial because of that. And, but what I don't agree with is the idea that they should have fired her. And I thought that was wrong, but Holden Holloway, and maybe he knew this all along, maybe he planned this all along he's coming off he's coming off to be very nick furious to me because he everything he does seems like there's a plan to it he offered her a position in his uh law firm under a new superhero division she immediately took it provided that she uh added her paralegal with it and well she got a whole new uh deal and whatnot uh like a better office better everything there was one thing there was a big motive to this while she agreed to it she later realized that she was only uh there to you know be so uh sort of a publicity stunt he requested that she always come in as she hawk as well which is something that you do see in the comics but in the comics when she does it it's because she's embracing her i you know her being a hawk whereas in in the comics bruce always resented that so in this universe in the marvel cinematic universe it's kind of it kind of flipped because Bruce now embraces the idea of being a hawk and she's now the one is resenting it. And now it's her turn to try to, you know, the, you know, embrace the idea of being a hawk in here. So Holloway had another interior motive, which uh, was for her to represent Emil Blonsky, AKA abomination. Once again, played by the awesome Tim Roth. Absolutely was waiting for this moment. And Blonsky claims to be a change man and that his actions was the result of a secret government experiment, which we all saw in the Incredible Hulk movie, which by the way, is not available on Disney Plus. It is available on HBO Max of all places. It is the only Marvel Studios film shown on HBO Max. It is weird as hell, uh, but it's also one of my favorite movies of the first phase of marvel i've said that before last week man it's just awesome you want to go revisit that like the sad part is in order to see you know get the whole entire four uh phase four experience you got to go from disney plus go over to hbo max and then go back to disney plus in order to watch that but still it's better than not having it at all but if you guys remember that you know he went through he did go through uh government experiments because they were trying to recreate the super soldier serum that created captain america that was the uh that was the storyline of that jennifer felt a bit uncomfortable about it and 
mostly because she felt it was a conflict of interest due to the rivalry with her and Bruce. Uh, at this time, she was not aware of the current state of their relationship. Uh, and I'm, I'm meaning Bruce and uh, Blonsky. While the two cousins talked, uh, she said she would think about it and thought about it. And she got to meet Blonsky and did see that he was a change man. And he started writing haikus and all this stuff. And, you know, it was here and there. So to really close the deal, she went to go call Bruce and the two cousins talked and uh, found out that we find out that Bruce is has, you know, made amends with um, Blonsky. Blonsky wrote a letter to him a while back saying how sorry he was and whatnot. So he believes him. He supports the idea of, you know, her representing him. And um, while they were talking, they actually we find out that bruce is in space heading to another planet due to the ship that caused the crash in the, in the first episode so we're gonna find out sooner or later what that entails uh on imdb it is said that bruce is gonna like uh mark ruffalo is gonna be seen on every episode of this series so we should find out a little bit more about what's going on in his world. What is that leading to? And what is that connected to here? Because this episode, we got a lot of connections in this episode alone that connects to different aspects of the MCU in this one in this one episode. So Jen called Holloway back to tell her that uh, to tell him that uh, he she would take the case. Holloway was pleased. And as he did that, he told her to watch the news. She turns on the TV. She watched the news and there are reports now that are saying, you know, that uh, Blonsky was discovered breaking, not only breaking out of jail, but was seen in a underground fight club. The same fight club that we saw in Shang-Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings. Yes, that same fight with none other than Wong. <laughs> that was it was caught on camera it was exploited so we do learn that this takes place right around the time of shang chi and the legends of the ten rings uh as we saw that fight with blonsky and wong and this was around the time when we also saw shang chi katie and Shaoling appear in this whole thing too so that's how the uh episode ends and next week looks like we're gonna get benedict wong on the show because he's gonna probably defend this whole ordeal or something's going to happen to that nature this is going to be awesome so right now what we did with this episode why this episode is so important is because now we see a development in abomination we i think that's going to lead to the thunderbolts we have seen uh connections to shang chi and the legend of the ten rings we are seeing some developments with bruce with the hawk as he's traveling to outer space that ship somebody pointed it out to me uh who was that um god uh, ben smith, has ben smith on our acmg facebook group forgive me um he was the one that made reminded me like that ship is from the same one of the same ships that was shown on thor um ragnarok which is connected to the grandmaster so it hasn't been shown on imdb yet and they do hide a lot of like if people are supposed to appear they do hide some people if they want it to be a surprise, we won't know until it comes. But that ship belongs to the same planet that the Grandmaster's in. Are we going to see the Grandmaster in here? <laughs> okay. Um, 
I am all for this. We're, they say there's going to be a lot of cameo appearances and surprises. We still haven't seen Daredevil yet, even though on IMDb, they said, you know, uh, Charlie Cox was supposed to be in this episode and a whole bunch of other so episodes too. So they, they're throwing, I think they're using IMDb to throw people off and I'm all for it. I am all for it. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't have to know everything, but I like to be surprised about a lot. Uh, so I really enjoyed this episode. And of course, the end credit scene was awesome, too, because they had uh, they had Jennifer and She-Hawk pretty much help around the house to do the uh, things that, you know, they couldn't do on herself. She was holding up the car so they could change the tire. She was, uh, you know, carrying a whole bunch of water, telling her father is kind of excessive, but OK. <laughs> so, you know, I thought these these end credit scenes, they said there's going to be one for every episode. And so far, the first two have not you know, uh, disappointed at all. So another great episode for She-Hawk. I can't wait till next week. Um, people, nine episodes. We got seven left. They are a little bit over a half hour. Uh, I wish they were a little bit longer, but I don't care. I love what I'm seeing so far. And this is the first series I think I've watched more than three times. <laughs> the first episode alone. So I am enjoying this. Screw everybody else who claims that, you know, the CGI. First of all, can I say this? And I will say this. This is my freaking platform. Here's the deal. All those people who claim that the CGI was bad and all this stuff and yada, yada, yada. And, and maybe the early ones may have been underdeveloped, but they improved on it. But people are still trying to crap on it. One, just like I told uh, Kyle in our interview, when we spoke about it a bit, um, I think people are just trying to sabotage the idea. I think, it I think it's mostly guys who are speaking on it, first of all that are crapping on it because mostly are it's mostly a full mode uh, male demographic that are speaking on the matter online all the time i think they were it was males who actually were trying to sabotage the series before it even came out i think it is people you know giving is a minor a vocal minority of people giving their opinion and those vocal minorities are people who don't work in the industry who doesn't have any education or experience in this and how am I going? How am I supposed to listen to people like that? I don't think that gets talked about enough. The people who do give their opinions, what merit of what merit do we listen to you? You know, I can't listen to somebody and no offense to working environments or whatever you think. But in terms of qualifications and experience and merit, this is what I got to say. It's hard for me to. to re it's really hard for me to listen to somebody who's you know, about it, for me to, you know, dwell on somebody's opinion and not a fact, their opinions and because they're not based off any experience or, or education, it's hard for me to listen to somebody who's worked at a 7-Eleven or Arby's or a, or a convenience store or whatever like that for as long as the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been alive because they have not only not worked in it, they have not been, even been educated in it. They, I, I'm pretty sure majority of them have not taken classes in this. And then all of a sudden, we've not seen it. We've not said a word about Hawk's CGI before, but all of a sudden, She-Hawk comes in and now everything's, you know, different. Now, I think people are just pretentious as hell. Uh, those, especially those minority, like, can we, can we all address when people do this? I don't think enough questions have been asked to those people who claim that they know what the hell they're talking about. I always ask this one thing. Where's your proof? Where's your source? And if that's not, if it's not just that, 
what do you do for a living? I've just said that to somebody recently because they claimed that they understood business and they understood everything. And I'm like, okay, just to clarify, just so I can understand, maybe I can learn something from you. What do you do for a living? How about I'm still waiting for that answer and it's been like over a week because that, that person went radio silent because after I asked that question, how are you going to reply? You're going to reply right or you're going to lie? And people in their heart of hearts don't want to lie. So they, what they do is that like, because they don't expect that question to come at you. They don't expect that. They're going to, they don't expect, people don't expect to be asked, where's your source? I think, I think enough of us need to start asking those questions to people who claim, make claims and stuff. Because the idea is that it's not even just people who are trolls. It is also people who are online who just want to appear like they know what the hell they talking about. But they assume that they can say things because people are rather too lazy to want to um, go deeper on the subject or people just are going to be naive or have a level of naivete to actually go out there and say it. So I, for those who are listening, take this extremely well. When somebody comes at you with some stuff that you have not heard of, especially when it's not coming from mainstream media and there's no sort when, when it's coming from the media, they have source proof. They have, they rather have said that they have, you know, sources and they'll tell you what sources they are. When you do a term paper in college, you have to, you have to a research paper. You have to put in the source of where you got that information because without that source, it is, it, it holds no merit. It is not proven truth. If you don't have where the source is back and then you got to make sure that that source is legit as well before you write and quote off of what that person said that is what's missing on social media and you know why because not everybody is college level intelligent because if you're college level intelligent then you know that you can't say something out your mouth without having some merit of source proof i i i i beg you guys when people come at you with, with misinformation or stuff that you think that's not true, please ask the question, where's your source? And if they act like they know and have, you know, source proof and they, and they know what the hell they think they know, I ask you, where, what do you do for a living? It could be that they actually work in industry, but I doubt it because not many people in the industry have time to be on social media constantly. Or they could be, they could know people in the industry. That's fine. I know a lot of people in the industry. You hear these people all the time on this show. I have them on the show to talk about it. So if I do have this conversation and I do talk about this and I talk about things, what I know, it's mostly because I had this conversation with somebody that works in the industry and they educated us like they educate you on our show. Whenever I have these interviews, you get to learn a lot from these people. So then, you know, and if the people, if you talk about the people, about certain things in the industry based on anime, comics, movies, and games. And they ask you, where did you hear that from? You direct them to here because that's where you heard it from. You heard it from, not just from me, but you may have heard it from the people I interview every week, every single month, every time you look at the list on talktimelive.com and you always hear that I have people that are qualified to tell you exactly what goes on in the industry. And then I can tell you a little bit of what happens from that based on my knowledge of people that people who I know tell me that I learn from people on this show. 
that's how you have source proof and then you can ask them if they it is possible that they actually work in industry and they can chime in and they can educate you 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 can research their background just to make sure because you never know when people are bs and a lot of people bs online it's just nature of it but we can find better ways to make sure that people are coming at you correct here so that's the way to do it i always ask where's your source or where's your proof and then on top of that ask what do you do for a living if they say that they work at the cheesecake factory no disrespect to the cheesecake factory but i don't assume that you unless you're taking unless you're in college taking courses while at the cheesecake factory or while at arby's or whatever like that that's one thing but if you're not in school for it if all you do if you do is you do the cheesecake factory you could tell me what's in the cheesecake you could tell me what type of cheesecakes you guys sell that doesn't equate to you having knowledge of animation and special effects and directing and script writing yes we are privy to a lot more than we ever were before because of the internet but that still doesn't make us scholars because there's so much more to it there's the business aspects there's all that it there are people who claim that they understand business but they've never owned a business they never really went through the process to actually create a brand and put in a business like that so you cannot tell me that you that you think that she hawk sucked because the animation or whatever yada 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 no show me why show me the source proof show everybody why show that you that you're legit because there's a lot less of it out there and there's a, a lot more people just blowing smoke on people's asses so. folks that will do it for what's new in the world of acmg we're going to take a break come back and i will review Full Metal Alchemist, The Revenge of Scar on Netflix right now. And we'll do that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go. Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live! Hey, this is Mega Ran, teacher, rapper, hero, waffle lover, and you're checking out ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Turn it up and share. Do it. And now, it's time for our Talk Topic of the Week. Ready? Fight! Folks, we are back with our Talk Topic of the Week, and that is my review of Full Metal Alchemist, The Revenge of Scar, available now on Netflix. This is the follow-up to the first live-action anime adaption to the series, and I'm actually glad, I'm so glad that they're doing this because Netflix before everybody's talking about HBO uh, Max and you know Warner Brothers Discovery and all the uh, cleaning up they've been doing Netflix was doing their own type of cleaning up too and they started talking about downsizing the amount of uh, content that they were doing it was kind of a bluff in my opinion to get more people to buy in to their uh, streaming app because they've lost a lot of you know 
subscribers in the last uh you know few months or so and this was their way of threatening people and i, I haven't seen it actually happen yet they i mean we just talked about that they canceled resident evil but that was because that was a bad show sandman may be also hanging on a thin wire right now even though there was highly praised I was telling people before it doesn't really matter sometimes people you know companies and studios have different agendas so even if something was good they will still nix it it, it just doesn't it, it plays into that factor a lot there are other means other than viewership that people play if they got different philosophies on things that will totally wipe the floor you know wipe everything clean so cross your fingers for uh sandman because that was actually that's actually a pretty good series i really enjoyed that so but I thought this was a one and done deal with Full Metal Alchemist, uh, the Revenge of Scar, because we haven't seen anything from the first movie. You know, the first, this is the sequel to the live action 2017 movie. The first movie came out in 2017 or was released on Netflix in 2017. And we didn't think anything was coming after that. Uh, Bleach was another one. Bleach is another series that I actually enjoyed the live action version of uh, Bleach. And I'm like, where's the follow-up to this? Because they kind of left it on a cliffhanger here and we haven't seen anything since. Hopefully because the two movies are now coming in that we will see another Bleach movie come and follow up from what they did. Cause they skimmed a lot of that series on there. Even though I enjoyed it and how they filmed it and how they, you know, how they uh, produced it and everything. I really wanted to see more. And then, you know, it just stopped cold turkey. So did this. Well, we got it now. We got the follow up to this. And this is based on Scar's uh, Scar Saga as well. As we now realize that this is covering not the original Full Metal Alchemist series. This is covering Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Now, for those who don't remember or for those who doesn't and who haven't really watched the anime series or read the manga or whatever like that, there were two versions of full metal alchemist that arrived the anime the original anime came out and uh you know it had 52 episodes in there and it covered one storyline then they came out with full uh, metal alchemist brotherhood and i never understood why they did this because this is not like a continuation of the original series that came out this is a retelling of the original series adding a huge element to this in the form of Alphonse and uh, Eric and Alphonse's father. I won't give any spoilers for those who didn't watch it because this movie seems to be based around this movie. And I want to see, you know, is, I, I, I'm happy to say not loosely based either. Like what I loved about Full Metal Alchemist and actually a lot of the WB Japan Studios movies that are based on anime adaptions is that they have gone to great lengths to make sure that these movies are as accurate and close to the source material as possible. We just talked about this um, with Marvel Studios in our last segment and other, you know, um, you know, other, you know, intellectual properties from video games and comic books and all this stuff and how America always screws it up because they don't listen to the fans and the directors and the producers and the studios aren't really fans of it. And now it took us this long to finally have an age where the fans of these books are now adults and they want to make exactly what we enjoy. And that's what's exactly happening. This is also happening in WB Japan. WB Japan 
I guess it's called WBD Japan, Japan now, if you will. But WB Japan is doing much better with their intellectual properties than DC Films has ever done with their intellectual properties. When they make movies based on anime and manga, they are as close to the source in terms of just not just look, makeup, costume design, but mannerisms, characteristics, and just story. The stories are even accurate. Like it's not word from word, but damn it, they get it so close. And they only have a few differences to the to it. it it's really highly enjoyable. I mean, they there's so much dedication to the uh, to the presentation of each movie. Uh, I, I have I still have yet to see Ron, uh, Verona Kenshin uh, yet. Uh, I'm still debating if I'm going to look at that. Like I love the series, but based upon the information that I know about the owner and the kind of the pedophilia stories that I've been uh, heard about and read about, I'm still debating because it's like to me, it's like watching uh, Verona is like watching a Cosby show right now. And it's like, all right, if I justify watching that, can I justify even watching the Cosby show knowing what I know about Bill Cosby? I'm still in that phase yet. Um, it's it's taken me some time to rationalize the situation of moral and ethics versus entertainment and comfort at the price of whoever was affected by the person who created it. It's I'm still in that link. I'm still trying to find a common ground of should I or shouldn't I with that. But when it comes to Full Metal Alchemist um, and Bleach and other ones, Gintama is also a live action, which is I really like that movie, too, because I felt like everything I watched from the anime was spot on in the live action movie of that. It was just awesome. But these movies that they're making in Japan, give them credit and the special effects, they spare no expense at it. I don't care what anybody say. I enjoy the CGI in all of these movies and full metal alchemist the first one was great too the second one i really think that they stepped it up so greatly with these with the uh, cgi effects and everything and special effects here but there's a third movie that's coming soon too like this is just part two this is like the uh, empire strikes back version of of the alchemist uh, trilogy the third one is scheduled to arrive I believe September 24th for Netflix as well. So they already got that done. They already got it voiced in in, in, in everything in different multi-languages and everything. So it's, it's cool. So here's the story with this. The movie tells the story of Scar, who is an alchemist, pretty much sort of kind of an alchemist, hell bent on revenge against all state alchemists for their sins against God. And this, uh, I mean, there why he's really doing this it gets fleshed out really well in this movie you'll find out what happened why he's so hell-bent on killing state alchemists um why he has these religious beliefs or whatnot and you know comes into and it all plays in i thought they did that very well eric and uh alphonse uh elric is on a hunt to find this powerful foe who is really really powerful uh in this case he has this arm this alchemist arm that he uh oh, oh i won't spoil that he just has an arm that he's had he's able to do some really awesome things and very destructive powers with so there's a reason why he has that too the brothers also come across their long lost father this is a big deal who returns with a uh purpose that may threaten the lives of everyone so this oh my goodness 
there's a reason why this is probably going to Brotherhood and not the original, because Brotherhood was really that good. It was so good. Now, as far as the cast, and especially the American English voice cast here, because this isn't Japanese. This is a total Japanese cast. Now, the, the significant thing about this is that this the characters in this series are supposed to be all Caucasian. But because Japan is making it and there's no multicultural aspect of this, they're all Japanese characters. Even the ones that are supposed to be, you know, English, they're all supposed to be Caucasian or it is, you know, and they're all being portrayed by um, Japanese actors. And guess what? I absolutely love this. There's a been there's been a talk about this. Uh, if you if any of you are adult enough to watch Bill Maher, uh, he mentioned something recently about the idea that actors uh, John Boyega also on TMZ Live also spoke about this, too. Um, there's the idea that, you know, actors should be able to portray different characters and not, you know, some characters should be appropriately portrayed. But then also there, you know, certain because when you're an actor, the idea is to create to act like a character and totally suspend your disbelief that this is not that character, not to insult the character, not to not to berate the actual character or culture or whatever like that. It's supposed to respectfully portray the culture and the character to its limb. That's what I grew up on. Now, granted, some things were not portrayed appropriately and properly and that's what the big fight is i think it's actually a fair factor that people have that if somebody portrays somebody from another um from another country that they won't do it give it the respect that it deserves now here's the funny thing about this do you know how many british actors are in our us tv in movie series there are a ton of them and you don't know that because they all speak perfect English accents, American English accents, but they have the, they changed their accents so greatly. So when we do it, it's like, it's a, it's cultural appropriation. <laughs> like there's some things you just can't do. There's some things you really can't do. Um, you a white person can't be a black person, a black person or a white person can't be Asian, but there's some things that can be portrayed if done properly, if done to really and give it the respect that it deserves. And I think that's what it comes down to. There's not enough talk about people respectfully portraying certain roles and giving it. I, I, I'll give you a perfect example. I'm going off key here, but it just plays into it. But there's always the talk about Tropic Thunder and, and Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr.'s character was not meant to be portrayed with seriousness. It was supposed to be absurd. The idea of the character is absurd. And that was the comedy part about it because that was what we're playing on. I don't understand to this day how imbeciles try to, and I'm people, if you haven't seen my face enough already on all of my interviews with people, my video exclusive episodes, if you haven't go on to talktimelive.com Watch the video episodes. The host, the person that you're talking to now is black. I had no problem with Tropic Thunder because I recognized the absurdity of it. And so did they. 
they knew it was ridiculous for this to happen. They knew this character was absurd and just he he was tone deaf as hell. But that was the joke. That was the complete joke. It wasn't made to be taken seriously. And if you're taking it seriously, then you don't get the joke and you don't get jokes, period. So I was OK with that. Cleveland. The, uh, I forgot his name. The, the original voice of Cleveland. I didn't necessarily mind that either, but I do respect that they did get another. They get they did get a black character to play that role. I respect that. But with that said, I thought the dude, like the original guy who uh, played Cleveland, I thought he did a damn good job playing him. Because I mean, one is it, it, it's I actually do know a guy or two. <laughs> like Cleveland out there and I thought they did their homework extremely well and it was so accurate that you really couldn't get mad at it, mad at it and it wasn't made to make the character or the culture look like complete fools I mean they gave him his own damn show for God's sake but it was just made to like here's a character he just he's black and this is the things that he go through and then there were some things that a lot of people recognized but what people also don't know is that some of the writers, especially, well, when it comes to the Cleveland show, all of the writers and executive producers were black. They oversee, like, um, oh, I forgot the name of the people. Go into IMDb. You'll see a long list of people that have put, to, that were a part of the Cleveland show. Um, and executive producer, Nia Long, that's what I was meant. Nia Long was the executive producer of the Cleveland show. So she oversaw all of the writing and everything that went on when Sinai Lathan and everybody else and Felicia Richard and all those people were in that in that deal. That was them. So I know I'm going off key here, but I'm just saying, like, going back to this movie, the fact that it was all Japanese actors that were playing in these roles or Asian uh, actors that were in these roles. This was awesome. And they portrayed the characters perfectly to the anime. And I mean, perfectly, the, especially Eric, I mean, uh, Edward, Edward, uh, was just so awesome here, but going back to this and I'm going back to the English cast here. Um, the notable missing thing about this was the voice cast here. The last, the first movie was done to much fanfare because Vic Mignogna, who is the original voice of, uh, Edward Elric and Aaron, uh, Dismuskey, who were uh who was alphonse in the original they both reprised the role in the first movie they reprised the role in the 2007 movie before vic was accused of sexual misconduct and all the stuff that he has done uh you know the accusations that he had with with internal and external you know internal and, and be in the studios externally and conventions so despite Vic putting out an apology claiming he was unaware of his actions and how it affect, um, you know, and the alleged victims of the conventions, uh, despite the situations that is going on with other actors, uh, that he's worked with and he went to court for, and he lost that court case and, um, and almost in a very similar fashion to Johnny Depp, I might add. Um, but he tried to appeal the court case and they, I just looked at his uh, Twitter page. He just did a video on uh, August 20th, and I guess he tried to appeal to that, and they just dismissed it pretty much. So he's, you know, he's, he's, I hate to say it, but he's really in a bad place. He's really in a black. You could kind of see it 
in his face and it how worn out he is compared to what he looked like um years ago um when he was on a show or whatnot like like it for those who don't know vic Mignana was the very first guest i had very first known name guest that i had on talk time live the very first he came on he was on twice um and regardless of whatever has gone on in his world from that point i will never forget that he was the first one to step in do the show and then he came back during you know um dragon ball uh, super brawly to come back to talk about his role on that which was supposed to be one of the, like the biggest deal he's had up until this point and then all the accusations and all that stuff happened and everything just went to fritz and everything and he hasn't really come back since like he hasn't done any anime work or anything like that since he's done some playwrights and all that stuff he's done some smaller roles or whatnot he's still trying to keep up he's still doing some con appearances but people are there every once in a while there are people who are just you know protesting him being there whatnot this is a this is a uh it's a bad beat for him man he's kind of practically blacklisted from the anime scene at this point uh especially with studio work and stuff like that but i don't know man so he with that said he's not reprising his role not only is brawly because johnny young bosch is uh now taking over for that role so when you heard him on dragon ball super that's johnny doing that um taking his place in this movie Kaleeb Yin who is now playing Edward and I was really shocked and actually kind of excited for this Matthew Matthew Mo or Moy who plays Han from Two Broke Girls is like one of my favorite shows when it was out Han was hilarious so he has taken the role of Alphonse and I gotta say Kaleeb and and Matthew did a really really solid job playing these roles like it didn't bother me at all that and, and i i heard nothing on social media about you know any just you know just staying about vic not being in his role anymore he hasn't made mention of the uh of the deal with full metal alchemist or whatever like that he was radio silent on that um which i'm surprised because technically like between alphonse and brawley that is his favorite like that, that's his bread and butter that's his where his real fame is coming from playing both of those roles and both of those roles are now taken away from him now so it's really interesting uh he's not mentioned not he didn't even mention uh dragon ball super superhero i bet either so and i checked his page none of that it happened despite the familiar voice uh performances like they were just really solid you know so it's gonna keep on going with that so but i will note that not all of the cast was taken away because caitlin glass who played winry in the anime is um is once again in um back as the characters so she's the only one of the original three to reprise that role and i think everybody else is possibly i don't i, I didn't check the rest of the cast but it just it just those are usually the main three focuses of you know characters that everybody looks at with that share with that series but she's still there and i'm glad she is because there was a scene in the hair that she did on the original anime that she was able to do again but this time voicing a live action person and i thought it was a awesome awesome experience that she did i mean the adr in this in this uh 
movie was extremely well done. The performance is also played by Ryusuke uh, Yamada and Adam Mizushi, who plays Edward and Alphonse, and um, it just are, are all spot on. I mean, like, especially like uh, Ryusuke, who played the mannerisms and really captured the, the you know, Edward um, Edward's comedic mannerisms so well. I thought he, it was amazing to see all these actors were able to perform as if they are anime characters themselves. It, I don't think that, you know, actors in America would be able to pull that off as easily, unless they were really big fans of the series. I think, I think some of the actors who voiced the roles, I think they could pull it off because they've been in it so long. They understand the lore and everything. I don't think actual other, I'd be surprised if other, you know, more established actors in the industry will be able to pull off what these guys have pulled off because it, it's a cultural thing and it, it really played in very well they they, they understood the ant the the actual you know essence of what the you know show is and it is i love ryosuke in this movie he was so awesome uh, ryosuke yamada is i'm officially a fan after them after they uh after this film here and it's funny because you know he was good in the first one and they, i caught those you know his performance there too but i think with the first one because i felt like it was so condensed and i'll mention that again it, we didn't get to see enough because they i felt like they were cramming everything but now that there's two movies we get to see more of it and now and it just comes it just fleshed out much better this time uh who else who we have here uh koji yamato uh yamamoto plays Alex Lewis Armstrong making his first live action appearance on the, uh, in this movie, in this trilogy. If you watched him in the anime, the character Alex Lewis Armstrong, he is a huge muscular brute Englishman. And somehow they managed to, with the power of the makeup job and work and everything, they somehow managed to make his hilarious, make him hilariously believable in this role. Like, I looked at this thing and I, I watched this movie twice and I think I enjoyed it the second time well, probably because the first time I was dropped dead tired but the second time I watched it I was awake and I really really enjoyed it but got a chance to really focus on the makeup job that they did on him and the makeup job was so well done like he really pulled it off they really pulled it off and they made you believe that like this is really Alex Lewis Armstrong in real life <laughs> He had that. He had that one little uh, cowlick curl in the front. He had the mustache. His mannerisms was very masculine and bulk. And I was just like, they actually put, they could have easily gotten like Nathan Jones to come in and play this role and you know bring him from. Well, maybe not because they probably filmed this during COVID. Who knows? But they could, if they really wanted to, like I, I'm thinking Nathan Jones you know, former uh, WWE professional wrestler, Nathan Jones, who's just ridiculously huge. And he, he really does look like Alex Lewis Armstrong, but they got this dude to play it. And you know that this is like not really an Englishman that you're seeing a big, large Englishman, but they managed to pull it off so well. I thought it was the awesome, awesome magic of um, Hollywood. And uh, it was, it was, it was really dope. So I, I really enjoyed that. The CGI for this movie I, I mentioned is just amazing. Um, they spared no expense. When you look at Alphonse's, uh, you know, armor and everything, and it just gels right in. It doesn't feel like it's out of place, like it's layered or whatever like that. I just, it feels like it all is entwined in the same layer. 
you know i i really enjoyed the special effects the the powers and everything that they did i felt like it was an enhanced even more than it was on the first movie it was awesome um just the narrative itself is the, you know the first movie felt condensed as i mentioned but and cr- a little bit cramped trying to get a lot of the 52 episodes in but now that i know that this is a you know a three-parter i can re-watch all this together and just put it all into one thing and now it kind of stretches out now it kind of makes sense as to what they were doing because again we did not know that they were going to do it and then again i talked about this before this is a movie adaption this is not this is, doesn't need to be exactly like and they couldn't because you can't cram 52 episodes into one so they got to pick and choose i'm just glad that there are two more because if this was if the first one was a one and only type of deal then i would have had an argument about this but because now they there's a three-part trilogy to this i have no issue with the first one and now it all makes sense so it, it really helped the first movie you know become a better movie by having this follow-up and the follow-up i thought was even more fleshed out from this point on um it was it really was the adr writing was extremely well done i i wrote very well done but i'm gonna say extremely well done because i'm looking at the words i'm looking at the mouse move and i'm looking at the voiceovers and it is matched in, ter- in terms of timing it is matched to a t this is not the days where we watch like kung fu kung fu theater in the afternoons after wrestling and you know they're talk you know the voiceovers are talking but the mouths are still moving after the voices are talking no adr is a new strat is a new craft and term that allows people to try to match the the uh the lines with the way the mouth moves and now they're adr writers and directors uh, shout out to Amanda uh, C. Miller, aka Barato and uh, Sailor uh, Jupiter. She is a you know when she's not voicing roles in in video games and in, in, in anime, she's also ADR. She does ADR writing as well. So you know it's a it's it it was this type of job is needed. It was needed ages ago. It was needed eons ago, and now we have that. And you know. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is really probably a good example of when that probably process probably started because when we went to the theaters to see Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, it was first in subtitle. Later on, they brought they got a um, a dubbed version, and the dub was really well done. Now it's gotten so much better over the years since that time that they they get it out and knock it out the park, and this. If you really look at it, they they really did a good job. Like you know that that they're speaking in Japanese, but I it it didn't dis- suspend my disbelief, or it did suspend my it, um. It, it really was to the point of like I knew it, but I didn't mind it because it was just the the dialogue and flow of dialogue was just going so well. They did so good with it that I I really enjoyed that, and not in the, in, the, in the slightest. I was just thinking like that's not really them talking no because i i just enjoyed how it was so fluid in a deal and again the comedic moments with edward was just hilarious all through you know through the movie just like an anime it was some really funny spots the costume design was uncanny to the anime and i think that's a big deal that's why we love the marvel cinematic universe so much because even though they changed the storyline around their essence of the original source that makes you feel like this 
they did this for the fans. The not only just the costume design that looked exactly like the anime, but with more detail. The hairstyles were perfect. They they got I'm pretty sure that a lot of them were wigs that they were wearing or prosthetics or whatever like that that they were wearing to make their hair look exactly like every one of them. Every one of them had hairstyles that look exactly like the anime. And that plays a big factor for you to get so immersed for, for a fan, especially a hardcore fan, to get immersed into the actual, you know, story and to the to the genre that you love. They did a tremendous job making uh, the characters look and feel like the series and, and um, manga. Why? Why? That, uh, it just burns me when, you know, you got people in America is like, OK, this is a popular thing, but we're going to do our own thing, despite the fact that it's a popular thing and we're going to do things our way and not do it the way that the fans see it because we know it's best. No, there's a reason why fans climbed onto that and not which your your variant of it. No, it's not how it works. I don't I, I still don't understand. I still don't understand it to this day. Like change a little. Don't change the whole entire like make a burger. But don't put like don't add too much to the burger that it doesn't taste like a burger. Make a burger, but add a little bit of seasoning to it to give it a little bit of a twist to it. That's all we're saying. Scar played by uh, Makin. Uh, what is it? Makin Neo Makin Neo and voiced by Perry Shen. Uh, I thought he was again spot on. I, I love the the um, the scar prosthetics that they put on his face and the hairstyle. It like if you put that picture up, if you put any of the pictures of any characters up to the anime characters, they look spot on. There is never any argument to that. And he this performance by both Perry and Makinio, uh, I felt was so great. The, the captured the voice down, captured the mannerisms down, captured the deadly presence of the character. I, it was just all good. Now, he was a great, great deal for this. Why is WB Japan doing everything that W um, that uh, DC Films should be doing and everything that Marvel Studios is doing, man? Um, look, overall, I love this movie much better than the first and then maybe honestly, I need to go back and watch the first I, when this all comes out, I need to watch when the third one comes out. I think I'll rewatch both the first one and then the second one, because I think the first one, I think the second movie complements the first movie even more. And I think this the second movie will help make the first movie better because now there's a follow up to it. So I'm going to watch the first movie and the second movie again, because when September comes at the end of September, when the third movie comes and everything's going to come in. I think it's all going to make sense. And this is going to make for a probably one of the best live action, uh, live action uh, adaption tw uh, trilogies out there. So go out of your way and check this out. If you're my, if you're that's my hero, if you're a full metal alchemist fan, go out of your way to check this out. They actually did a really good job with this. And this helps me to believe that we, we can see a good live action Dragon Ball film. If it's done by WB Films or is done right, I wouldn't mind seeing a live action done in Japan, strictly in Japan. Even if they hire people from outside, whatever, it's done in Japan, so it's going to be done right. Akira Toriyama is a part of it um, because Dragon Ball Evolution is a travesty. Is everything that you didn't want to see in anime? You know stuff like that uh, Notebook. I mean Death Note. 
you know, stuff like we just no, we need accuracy. This one is done right. I highly recommend checking this out. Go watch Bleach. I heard Rona, uh, Verona Kenshin is also pretty damn good too. Um, although I'm, you know, me, yeah, I just talked about my personal gripe with that one right now, so I'm still debating that down the line. Um, and just you know, we are starting to get that, and I'm glad that you know Japan is actually you know Japan Studios are you know doing it. I prefer. I personally think that anime never needed to go live action they never needed to do that because i think anime can hold itself on its own we saw that last week when uh Su dragon ball super superhero went number one in the box office okay so we we're still hype off of the uh, you know mainstream of anime right now but you know with that said these live actions are you know there there's a lot of effort being done to these and it is worth watching there. So go out of your way, check it out. If I'm going to give it a grade right now, a B plus solid, definitely right there. So folks, that will do it for this edition of Talk Time Live. Thank you guys so much again. Thank you to Kyle Abair for being on the show. You want to go out of your way and check out the one and only voice of Gohan as we talk about Dragon Ball Super Superhero and a lot of other things that are going on, including his role as Ryu in Street Fighter Six. We talk a little bit about that too. Uh, congratulations once again to Megaran on getting his, uh, his putting his footprint on another big project out there in the Clerks 3. Looking forward to checking that show out. Speaking of Clerks 3, when that comes, go check out my interview with Brian O'Halloran, AKA Dante Hicks. Uh, I got a chance to talk to him a while back too. See, not only do we get to, you know, me and Megaran get to, you know, share this show. We also share Clerks love as well. So anyway, check that out all on TalkTopLive.com, uh, all of our audio and video episodes there. But this week, got another new guest coming, brand new guest coming in Philadelphia on September 16th, a orchestra group known as the New World is coming here to Philadelphia. In fact, just a couple blocks, a few blocks away from me. So, and they're going to be performing Final Fantasy music. And I got the two conductors that will be here. To, uh, well, they're the director. I should say they're uh, the they are the uh, directors and they are the composers. Arnie and Eric Roth, who will be doing a new world intimate music from Final Fantasy here in Philadelphia on September 16th. I actually have the honor and pleasure of talking to them about this event and much more coming down the line. They're touring everywhere and they're going to stop right here and talk time live exclusive to talk about that and more. So you don't want to miss that Final Fantasy fans. Uh, next week on Select Start, we will also have my review of SD Gundam Battle Alliance. I am playing it thoroughly. It's the first Gundam game to hit the Nintendo Switch in US soil. Uh, yes, it's not the first Gundam game I've actually uh, technically the Gundam game I've actually reviewed, but it was an import. This is the first actual Gundam game to hit American soil. And we'll talk about uh, whether it was worth it or not. So we'll do all that next week as well. And I think after that, I may be away for that for next week. So there might not be a show next week, but following that, we will, you know, we're getting down to the wire of, you know, New York Comic Con and other things to come. So who knows is going to be on the show and what is going to happen as of right now. But stay tuned for all that. You never know. 
what's going to happen on ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. So you want to check out this show and every episode on TalkTimeLive.com. Our audio, video, podcasts are there. Uh, blog content is there. You know, media content is there with my repop panels from last year as well. And some new stuff. I just added the uh, my radio uh, clip of me at on Sunday night's main event there as we were talking some wrestling over there so i made sure to add that it's a bit of a milestone moment for me but if you don't want to miss a beat on this show you could check out our show wherever podcasts are played including spotify iHeartRadio, apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher podbean tune in audible pandora pocket cast and if you are on our tumblr type in talk time live and you will be able to listen to it there as well. So folks, thank you once again. As always, I really appreciate it. On behalf of myself, this is Dax Xavier Josiah saying, learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. Take care, guys, and have a great and safe week. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.